Praise the Lord. Let's give God a great clap also. Just worthy of all our praise, our adoration. It's always a privilege to be here. My wife grew up in this area. She was here for the first service, and some of our best friends in the world here are here among them, Brett and Cynthia Fuller, um, Jim and Angie Critcher and others. I'm so blessed to be here with you today um, with Pastor Tullis, AJ, the team. I'm so excited to talk with you. I'm going to start by looking at our country just for a moment. What would God say to us in our country? Where are we? We look at this pandemic, what's going on. And then I want to talk about what might God be saying to Grace Covenant Church as we look out into this decade? And then what is God saying to some of you? So, Father, I thank you for my family here. I've been coming here, I don't know, 28 years maybe. I'm not even sure. I thank you for every one of them every man and woman that calls this home. I hope, hope you would speak to us today. You say in the book of Peter, that anyone who speaks, speak as the oracle of God. May you speak through me today to them, where they are, where they're living. Amen. I want to talk to you about America. So you know, it's been an interesting season. I might add an interesting 20 years. When you look at the last 20 years, framed by 9-11 and the greatest pandemic since the Spanish flu, the longest war in American history, and the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. How many has been an interesting 20 years? Where, where are we in that? Where do we find ourselves today? As some of you that know me know, the Lord is faithful to speak to me about the country and about events and I look back to the end of 2018, speaking at my, well, your sister church, my church where I'm an elder and a board member like this. It's multi-ethnic, uh, multi-site church. Um, James and Debbie Lohr, our pastors, amazing African-American uh, couple. If any of you are familiar with music, you know, the Winan family, BB, CC, et cetera. She's the youngest member of that family. Can she sing? Yes. She opened for Whitney Houston at 16. So we have a lot of amazing music in our church, amazing worship. And that's where I mean, I was speaking to them on New Year's Eve in the end of 2018 when the Lord began to talk to me about what would come upon America. And I saw the terrible shaking economically, people just in panic, our whole nation erupting in panic. The West Coast upended like, like, well, like people were pouring out of there. I just saw it and I stood it, what was typically going to be the happy new year's message. This was going to be the unhappy new year's message. And I stood before them and said that basically this is where we are heading to a time of deep testing, but God would catch us. Then I said this to him. I said, as a calendar goes to 17 months from today, we're going to come into a time of deep pain in the country. God is going to come to touch our ethnic pain, but it's going to be civility will die in the streets. People will be afraid. Doomsayers will dominate the airwaves. Some are saying we're going to head to anarchy. And of course, it was 17 months from when I was speaking that Mr. Floyd was killed. And God spoke to me that night, and I told him this. And I'll tell you, then we'll go a little deeper here. I said, I want you to understand, when that comes, as we rise to our identity in Christ, God will use us to heal. I will say, 
what our church has done in our city has been astonishing. It's another story. But I said this, America's not going to end in anarchy. America's not going to end in a lasting depression. America's not going to end in some lasting recession. America will end in revival. Let's give God a hand. So he sees this. He, like, he knows this. I won't go into the detail except to say by June, the Lord began to come to me in, in for like from the, around June 6th to the end of July, time after time in the middle of the night, I would find myself waking up and praying and, and meeting with the Lord. And, and I honestly didn't understand it. Then I saw great carnage and death and infirmity. I really could hardly categorize what I was seeing and feeling. But one verse the Lord gave me that I held on to was out of Deuteronomy. And you know the story of the Exodus, of course. They crossed the Red Sea. What a miracle. The Red Sea, basically an ocean. Then they crossed the flooded Jordan. But after 38 years, there was another body of water they were commanded to cross that I'd never seen before. It was the Zared Brook. And Zared means expansion, growth, outreach. And God took me to that verse and said, listen, the church is crossing the Zared Brook. I go, Zared Brook? What does that mean? Well, Historically, it means they were crossing out of the wilderness into the Transjordan and kind of the beginning of their promised land, which today is the nation state of Jordan. Back then it was Moab, Ammon, and it was a two-year period in the Bible of incessant warfare, facing giants, massive generational transition where the next generation was being prepared for war um, and a terrifying pandemic which killed thousands. Little did I know he was showing me our next two years. And I stood before 75 or 80 of our leaders from around the world there in 2019 of July and said, this is where we're going. Hardly understood it. The good news is it ended up crossing the Jordan River out of pandemic and into the promised land. May I tell you, we're crossing our own Jordan River. We will cross out of this pandemic. I know every time it seems like it comes or just another variant, God will bring us through and into a promised land of blessing. God's nothing surprises God. Nothing does. And I hold promises before God every night. So now I was talking about what would God say to Grace Covenant Church? What's your place? Why has God allowed you to live in the most influential metropolitan area in the whole world, politically. Despite all our brokenness, that's still the case. So I'm going to entitle this message, From the Right to the Left, Grace Covenant Church and D.C.'s Destiny. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for my family. And Lord, help me to articulate what you've spoken to me, even as I was describing it to Pastor Brett yesterday. Lord, speak to these your people, these you've blessed, encourage their faith, amen. I want to start with two verses to introduce this thought, set some context, then show you a slide. The Bible gives us promise in Isaiah 4, 5, and 6, speaking of Jerusalem and Mount Zion. And this verse began to burn on my heart. Now, its interpretation is, it talks about what God's going to do in Jerusalem, but I want to apply it to D.C. 
Then the Lord will create over the whole side of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of flaming fire by night. That's how God led them to the wilderness, if you remember. For over all the glory, there will be a canopy. It'll become a booth for shade by day from the heat and a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. Now, is it possible for God to touch a city? Is it possible for God to permeate a city? Yes, biblically we see it. You, you can look in history and see touches of it. But what would it take for God to do something special in D.C.? Now, I might add there are many great churches in D.C., not just us, but I'm talking to us today. What might our part be in that? How might God use us? I might add, why us? It says in Hosea 13, 13, in a very strange verse, it says, the pangs of childbirth come for him. What's that mean? God's getting ready to birth something. God's getting ready to do something. But he is an unwise son, for at the right time, he does not present himself at the opening of the womb. Now, we know we're using a metaphor here from labor and delivery. and It is time for the baby to be born, and the little rascal don't want to come out. But what's the metaphor mean for us? It means when God gets ready to birth something, it's unwise if his people don't cooperate. God's going to birth something through this church. Pastor Brett has talked about it, and I want to speak about it myself today. Now, I'm going to speak in the context of Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 6. In Isaiah 54, this is the metaphor. God tells a woman who is barren, no children, a woman whose husband divorced her because she could have no children. She's been left alone with no hope for her future. She's been wounded years before. She's grown embittered. And back in that era, for a woman to be barren meant you were in terrible sin and somehow the devil had gotten you. Husband got rid of her because she couldn't have children. And God opens the passage by saying, I want you to sing, worship, and have fun because you're going to have far more children than all your married friends. How many of you, that's just crazy, raise your hand. So I want to set the context. God is speaking and giving a promise to a hurting human, a promise that's impossible unless God comes through. Some of you are facing impossible promises today. There's a barrenness some area of your life. It's hard for you to even worship sometimes, whether you're here with me or online. May I tell you, as much as I want to talk about the church, I want to talk to you as well. Now, the interpretation of this passage is, Israel was that barren woman. God had been their husband. They'd broken relationship with him, but he was telling them, I'm coming back to get you again. But I'm going to apply it to our individual life. And here's her praise. Sing, O barren one. Why sing if you're barren? Like, why would anyone sing 
if the thing they wanted most in their life. There are some of you here, you're barren in the very area you believe for. I'm not just talking about children. I'm talking about that business. That child you brought into the world with so much potential that seems to be dashing their life. One of you has a son so brilliant, so handsome. It's like he's beating his brains out in a futile relationship. You don't know what to do. Why would you sing if you're barren? Why would you sing and worship if the deepest desire of your heart was unfulfilled? And then the Lord gets really cranky. Then he goes, break forth into singing. No, wait a minute. Not only do I got to sing, you're telling me to break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who've not been in labor. Why does he add that? Not only does she not have babies, you've never even had a labor pain. You've never even been pregnant. Like you've, you've never been there. And I want you to cry aloud and dance. She's got to be, you just got to be kidding me. Now let's describe her pain for a moment. So I read the first part, single barren one who did not bear, break forth in the singing and cry aloud. You who've not been in living says, for the Lord called to you like a wife deserted, grieved in spirit, like the wife of the youth when she's cast off. Here's what God's saying. You got married and you were in love. You're just a young woman in love, but because you couldn't have a child, your husband got sick of waiting and he divorced you. He just threw you off. And when he threw you out for that, that meant no man would ever marry you again. And maybe you could have gotten pregnant if you just had a man, but he, ga he gave up. And when he cast you off, he was telling everyone, my wife was barren because of sin or the devil took her. And now you're deserted and that wound in your spirit has only grown. How many of you know when you're barren in some area of your life, let's put aside pregnancy, this metaphor for a minute, you get wounded. You're barren in that marriage, barren in that business, barren in your emotional health. And the years go by and the hope that it will ever change ends. And God's telling her, God's telling her, you better rejoice. You better rejoice because I've got some promises coming your way. In Jeremiah 20, 10, it describes this metaphor in a different way. It describes, it describes a woman who's barren. My tent is destroyed. All my cords are broken. Children gone. They're not. There's no one to spread my tent again and to set up my curtains like my life's over. Now I'm going to give you a series of promises that are for Grace Covenant Church and for your life. And one of the things I'm sitting today is I want to talk to you, not preach to you. Because what God is asking of you as a church is humanly impossible in the climate of our nation. What he's asking of you is only possible as you'll find out in a moment, because God is your husband, your protector, your provider and the power you need. First thing it says this, you have to understand if you're this woman 
For the children of the desolate one. How many know desolate's a pretty serious word? I mean, that means she's living in desolation financially. She's impoverished. Her family's ashamed of her. More of the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of she who is married. May I tell you, this church is coming into a season where you're going to see spiritual children added to the kingdom of God. People who've left the faith reclaimed, it will seem impossible to you because of their ideology. It'll seem impossible to you because of their pain. It'll seem impossible to you maybe because of their religious beliefs. It'll seem impossible. This, in other words, this woman, no husband, barren, it's impossible. And what's God saying to Grace Covenant? I'm going to birth the impossible in your midst. Then he says this, for you will spread abroad to the right and the left. Now this speaks in this passage, okay, north, south. But I want to talk about how the Lord spoke to him. When he gave me said this, you tell Grace Covenant Church that I've done a beautiful thing with multi-ethnicity. It's in your DNA. I visit the churches you've planted. I was in Renew Church that you planted in Los Angeles, pastored by Dion and Julie Lee, Korean, precious Korean Christians from this church. I was at their first face-to-face meeting. It's like I walked into the UN. Young Asian American, African American, Hispanic American, and every other, every other kind of mixture under the sun. It was astonishing. It was amazing. It's DNA. God said, you tell this church that I'm going to do a miracle here. I think we all realize America's very broken right now. Uh, the polarization is astonishing. You say, what about you, Pastor? And quite honestly, I've, I don't like either extreme I see in the country, and I feel many times orphaned from our political system. That's neither here nor there. Love my country despite its pain. Watch this. Lord told me, said, you tell Grace Covenant that even as I've used them to build multi-ethnically, I'm going to use them with such love and such grace that they'll bring the farthest left and the farthest right together and I'll do a miracle. Now, may I tell you in an America so polarized, so demonizing one another, in America, where a recent study said on the farthest spectrums of the, of the political parties, 15% in each one would take up a gun for what they believe. In that climate, that is a miracle. May I tell you, if our history is any indicator, and it is, that which the church fails to fix through the power of the word and spirit the nation will fight over. History teaches us that. But there's a power in who this church is to heal something. And that is why God's expanding our church to the eight wards of D.C. You'll see the slide here in a moment. When you look at this slide, you've all heard Pastor Brett articulate the vision of we're going to be in all eight wards in D.C. And we're already 
we're in, I can't, I, the numbers leave me. We're in one of them. We've just got a building for a second one. We'll soon have a third building. Why is this important? By the end of this decade, I don't want to go beyond that. We'll be in every ward in D.C. Now, may I say, as much as it buildings cost millions to all those buildings, that's the easy part. The hard part is transplanting the DNA in D.C. that can heal something broken and divided spiritually. God says, I'm going to take this church and they're going to touch the far left and they're going to touch the far right and everything in between. Because there's a spirit of reconciliation that marks this church. And I tell you this by the spirit. In the coming years, you'll see miracles of reconciliation that are ethnic, that are political, that are national and international. You'll see it. Now watch this. This is the next promise. Your offspring will possess the nation and will people the desolate cities. That means the choices you make today will increase the quality of life for your children and your grandchildren. I spoke to a law school last week and uh, I got, so I addressed him on Zoom and I said, all of you, it's your dream, maybe you'll practice law before the Supreme Court. The sad news for you is that's not the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's called heaven. And I pray you're practicing your law in prayer every day there because the Supreme Court can make laws Heaven can write laws on the hearts of humans. I believe in laws. I believe in legal pro. I believe in all of it. But my hope's in heaven. This church can be used of God to increase the quality of life in the world's most influential city. Pastor Jim, how is it possible? Through your DNA and discipleship. People from both sides of the aisle will be touched there. From the most powerful to those who've been forgotten and marginalized. You watch what he does. And it says this, fear not. You're not going to end up ashamed. You're not going to end up confounded. You're not going to end up disgraced. You'll forget the shame of your youth and all the reproach you've known for your treatment. I wouldn't be speaking these things to you if the Lord hadn't spoken them to me. Why you? Because there's a strand of DNA here that planted in those wards of Washington, something will spring up that's rarely seen. Now, what is this process? Like, how's this happen? He gives, 
he gives, he explains it in four ways in Isaiah 54 too. Enlarge the place of your tent or your habitation or now when you look in the original language, some of the great scholars suggest what she was asked to do was get a whole new lot. Now, when I'm talking about these wards, I'm not talking about church planting. I'm talking about site planting. What's the difference? Churches are great. We plant churches in other states. But here, we're just simply taking Grace Covenant Church and moving it into all of Washington, D.C. by having a whole bunch of little mini Grace Covenant Church sites. Now, watch this. You imagine you're this woman and you're derelict and desolate, and the Spirit of God says, Go buy a big new lot. I'm expanding your family. You'll find us buying properties all through Washington, D.C. We will. But I'm afraid anyone with money can buy property. That's not the biggest miracle. It's a miracle, and we're in the midst of another miracle right now, but it's, it's, it's more beyond that says this, you've got to let the curtains of your habitation be stretched. You know what that means? What's your habitation? Guess what that is? Where you live. Your safe place. Your comfort zone. God says, can I stretch your comfort zone? Can I stretch where you live? Can I stretch what you feel safe around? There are people sitting here today in the coming months and years, you'll feel quick and I belong in one of those sites in those wards. There are people watching online. Two of you watching online today, you're credible business people. Even now you're feeling the call of God with your name on it. Yes. One of you six months into the new job of your dreams. Now listen to me. God says, can I expand your comfort zone? Can I expand your safe zone? Can I expand what you call your habitation? Like where you live? Who's your group? Because if I can't expand your habitation, I can't expand mine. It, it starts with you. And he says this. He's getting real personal here. Don't hold back. Well, I just kind of wait and see. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. The time's too critical. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't seem possible. Don't hold back. Then he says this. Lengthen your cords. Putting a tent, there's cords that kind of held these structures together. I was reminded of the verse in Hosea where God says, I led them with cords of kindness and bands of love. May I tell you, you're going to have to lengthen your love and kindness for this to work. Let me start. I'm not about tolerance. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. What we're called to be tolerant. No, we're not. We're called to love and that's a whole different matter. I don't know about you. I got enough trouble loving people I like. 
But to have someone I don't like, that's a real big deal. I mean, who but God would say, bless those who curse you. Y'all bless them out. Bless those who curse you. Beat them. I mean, pray for those who despitefully use you. I mean, what kind of idiot lived that way? Well, that's what we're called to do. It's impossible. How do you love an oppressor? How? How? Like, how do you love someone that's robbed you? Cheated you? I don't mean, I believe in justice. Yes, I do. But even with justice, we love our enemies. How? It's because things like love and kindness, the Bible calls them fruits of the spirit. That means no matter what your circumstance, God can produce it in you. Jesus is on the cross. They're brutally murdering him. They've betrayed him. The people who he confounded as a little boy in the Sanhedrin are mocking him, spitting on him. He says, Daddy, just like forgive him. Looks at the thief, forgives him. And the Roman centurions who have seen many crucifixions have never seen a man filled with love and filled with forgiveness. And they say, the centurion says, that's got to be God. Where's that come from? Like where? I believe in justice. I believe, I believe in all of it. But there's a power for God to birth a love in us even when we violently disagree with things. And could it be that in the end, that what keeps our nation from further fracturing is the cords of a supernatural love in her church. That doesn't mean I don't believe in protest. It doesn't mean I haven't marched. It doesn't mean, but it does mean I don't march motivated by hatred. I march motivated by love. Well, whose idea was that? Well, Jesus, last I looked. (laughs) Your cords are going to get stretched. They just are. Your kindness, your love. I've prophesied over enemies of our country. I've prophesied the most kind things over like dictators is a love of Christ and they'd break and cry. Like, I probably for people I don't really like, period, to be honest. Around the world, but, but Christ's love constrains me. It constrains me to see beyond their ideology or to see beyond their crimes. And that doesn't mean God doesn't punish sin. It does mean he loves humans. Then God says this, Strengthen your stakes. You see, when something gets bigger and bigger, you got to pound the stakes in. Got to pound them in. What's this require of us? It requires our time. It requires our treasure. It requires our talent.
Some say, do you want to be rich, Jim? Mm -hmm. Rich enough to do God's will and give everything away he wants me to give. I grew up really with not almost anything. My dad worked three jobs to support us. Thank God I had a dad. I grew up in, pastoring in a very tough gang area. High percentage of church alcoholics, drug addicts. We're multi-ethnic. But I lived no other way. Pound your stakes in. Because God's going to use you. Pound your stakes in. God's going to make history with you. Now, how is this possible? Let me step back a minute. How is this possible for this church? And how is it possible for those of you who are feeling like, my marriage has gotten pretty loveless. I don't know what to do, Pastor. It, my, my love's not being reciprocated. Two of you are in great pain today because once again you're at church without your spouse and it's just hurting. You hardly know what to do when you get home. We know that unrequited love is painful. That's why agape love is so powerful because when we love a person who's either incapable or has chosen not to love us back, God loves us back. And he touches us. Maybe you're not just an impossible mission with your church. You're in an impossible mission with your life right now. You're just out of love, out of grace. What's the key? Your maker is your husband. The name of your husband is the Lord of hosts. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, and he's the God of the whole earth. He's the God of the whole deal. And because you were born again into his family and he's your dad and Jesus is your brother and you got the Holy Spirit, you got fairly serious provision, power, protection. I mean, just imagine for a moment if you were in a big corporation and your husband was the CEO. How would everybody be treating you far differently? Oh, good to see you. It's like. You're, the, you're, you're one of the children of the president. All of a sudden, there's a whole different world for you. Same when you become in the kingdom of God. Now, it says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. It says in Revelation 21.9, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. That's you and I. That's it. We're family with God. There's a power on us. The nation's been pulled a lot. People angry and afraid. I travel the country. The younger generation has been born into a crazy world of mass, body searches, armed men in airports, wars that seem to never end, a crazy economy. I don't fear for them. I think they're in the process of becoming the next greatest generation. And they're in a furnace where they're being forged and will be used of God to touch our country. But here we are. And here we sit today.
we are. Grace Covenant, you were born for this moment. God is going to use you to touch DC in an unusual way. Not because you're the biggest church or the best church. You're the best for me, but there are great churches out there. It's because there's something in this DNA that as we plan it throughout DC, it will result in extraordinary moments of reconciliation. And your children and your grandchildren will thank you. Pastor Corey is going to join me up here now. I want to give you two invitations. First of you just saying, Pastor Jim, I'm in a barren situation in my own life. I need God to really help me in my marriage, in my business, in my finances. If personally, you just need a touch from your maker. Put your hand up right now. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. I invite your spirit to come with hope, to come with faith, to come with the touch of God, to come with the spirit of God. I ask it. I ask it. Now put your hands down. You hear and you say, okay, I want in. I want to be used of God to bring grace covenant to the larger DC area with my prayers, with my finances, with my love, whatever God asks me, I want into this. You just say, Pastor Jim, I want into this. Put your hand up right now. Let me see him. Holy Ghost, come over this congregation. We're the wise daughters and the wise sons. We come to the womb. We feel the birth bangs. Use us. Use us. Use us for the sake of your glory. Use us for the sake of your children, our children, our grandchildren. We don't want them to inherit this mess. Use them. Use them. Use them by your spirit. We thank you, Lord. 